0: Welcome to the Writer's Jihad. In Islam, jihad means the struggle for peace, the greatest of which is within ourselves. For most writers, we imagine that once we make it, we'll be at peace, but that's not true. The top professionals find peace as elusive as anyone else. The Writer's Jihad is a podcast series of interviews with writers at different points in their careers talking about the struggle for peace in their industry. Every award-winning professional began as an unpublished amateur, we all start at the same place, we all face the same struggles, and we shouldn't hide those struggles behind the mystique of the craft, nor the glamour of success. If we can help each other, we should. So today I have with me Roger Langridge. Hello, Roger. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm fine. Um, How you? So how's things to you? I'm great, I'm great, yeah, just uh, I'm working on a graphic novel for the first, second at the moment, um, uh, that I'm, I'm illustrating, somebody else is writing it, it's one of their history books, oh, about uh, the Prohibition era. Really? So that filling most of my days these days. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah, it keeps me out of, off the streets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you should introduce yourself for those who might not know who you are. Yeah, I'm Roger Langridge, I'm a cartoonist, I've been writing and drawing comics for about 30 years, um, started out in New Zealand in the late 90s, late 80s, I should say, um, and came to the UK in the early 90s, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, that was a mistake. You <laughs> <laughs> should have stayed <laughs> in <laughs> New <laughs> Zealand. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, I met you, I believe, at a Heroes Con in Carolina. Yeah, uh, that, I think that's right. Like 2008 or something, uh, something like that. And uh we were chatting, and I believe at that time, Thor your Thor comic had just come out, right Thor Mighty Avenger was that, was that Yeah, it on? might have been a bit later than that I think it was like 2010 twenty eleven when that came out yeah, okay, so, so maybe that's when I met you because I think yeah. I'm pretty sure I came up to you, and I couldn't stop gushing about how much I was I love that comic <laughs> in fact, just before you recorded, I gushed at him about that comic as well, so uh, it's one of my favorites so um, yeah, so we've been chatting back and forth since then, um. And uh, I I follow you on your Patreon. Uh, And by the way, for those who don't know, on his Patreon, he does this daily little comic, which is wonderful. It's like a little slice-of-life comic that gets very surreal at times. And you do this wonderful thing about talking about your dreams. And you do your little dream comics where I just love them because they are they, you do all the surreal nonsense of the dreams then point out how pointless the dream was because <laughs> <And, laughs> so many people say keep a journal of your dreams and i i used to and like, this is no help for me at all this doesn't mean anything these dreams i love that you're just drawing all your dreams like that um but yeah so uh today we're gonna uh we're gonna talk about something that you that you mentioned uh when we were chatting uh, which i i found very interesting which was this desire you had when you were younger that you wanted to be like one of the most well-known cartoonists in the world. Yeah. um, I thought, you know, if you're going to do it, do it, (laughs) go in, go in all, all, you know, boots and all. Yeah. Um, uh, I think partly that was because uh, of the skepticism my family had about me wanting to be a cartoonist and uh, to have um, uh, that, Kind of status would would sort of prove that I I wasn't a complete lunatic for wanting to do that, do that with my life. So, so uh, and and also because I thought it would be uh, a position from which I could um, get get better opportunities and, and you know the chance to do stuff that I really wanted to work on. Yeah. Uh, and not be sort of scrambling for the next job all the time. Well, I mean and, that, that was the theory. Was this, I mean without knowing how all this stuff worked at the time, that was just how <laughs> I thought it might world. There's, there's a lot of really interesting elements about that because um first of all a lot of people when they start they all want to be famous. everyone wants to be i want to be i want to be the top guy i want to be i want to be at the top of the pyramid and everyone like everyone has that feeling and what i find fascinating is because you, you know you're you have won multiple awards uh when i met you you were writing one of the best comics at the time in my opinion and in the big marvel dc group right you were doing this fantastic comic um and you don't you don't strike me as having that kind of ambition at all like that sense of like that need for fame or 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 reputation in that way you, it's, it seems to me like you you've never really had that but of course like everyone else you would have started you seem to have started there and you've moved to a point now where you're incredibly successful and well-respected in your field for your, your skills and talent, but you don't have that, that desire has gone. Uh, do you know what I, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting um, process. So but what I'd like to start with is this whole feeling that you felt you needed to get your parents' respect. <laughs> right <laughs> and you felt the best way to do that would be to be the greatest cartoonist in the world right or up there you know top, yeah. that would have settled for top three and you feel and that would, <laughs> what 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 was it that you felt like what, were they telling you that it won't amount to anything what was it that they were telling what was what was the well i think it came from a place of concern for my my welfare really mm. like um Saw it as as a, a field that didn't have a lot of stability to it. Of course, um, yeah. They didn't know anybody who did it, so they, obviously they didn't have any kind of um, yeah. uh, example to to look to to see if it was even a feasible career. Right, of course. Uh, uh, so I think the un, the unknown um, elements of it entirely. So, but so um, what I mean is, is what was what was the environment in the sense of were they telling you? this isn't a real thing go do this or were they what what was the what was not what was it that you were not getting that you were hoping you would get like what, yeah, was, no, what would make no, it no, seem like i, said, I yeah. respected what what was <laughs> you know well what yeah they, they did um try to encourage me to pursue a completely different career i mean uh, uh yeah, yeah. i went to university um uh and the idea when i first went to university was that i should study law Ah. and uh, it turned out quite early on i had absolutely no aptitude or interest in law whatsoever um and so we sort of negotiated this thing where i would just get any degree it didn't really matter what and sure. as long as i did that i would then be allowed to try this comics thing for a few years and um right. see, um and they wouldn't be on my back about it right uh, yeah so the deal we struck basically i mean i get that uh because from from my point of view the thing that i always felt like the you know the the reason i'm not feeling like i'm getting enough respect for what i'm trying to do is because people didn't ever respect the schedule or the time it took to do anything so i wasn't like told oh you should go and do another career like you were it was more if i said i was doing something my friends and family would be like "Ah, you can do that another time you know wash the car cut the grass do that. I'm um, I, I if I if I keep doing every chore and going to every family gathering and every party or whatever that everyone wants me to go to, I will not have any time to do the thing I want to do. Whereas everyone else, when they have a job, everyone accommodates the schedule of their job, right? So that was that's what yeah. was that's that's the thing that was for me. That's why I want all of that 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 thing. But for you, yeah. it was because people kept you're t- telling you that. This is a dead end you need to go somewhere else is that right yeah um i mean i took art at school too um Mm. and then my teachers at school were um they didn't they didn't seem to think there was much of a future in comics either you know there wasn't a lot of um uh and so there was never really a whole lot of um Mm-hmm. Positive reinforcement for this, for this, um, <laughs> this dream of mine? <laughs> and did that, um, did that change? It must have changed at some point. Uh when I started to actually earn some money, um, right. and you know, pay my own way with money I'd made from comics, that obviously changed things. About changed things. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But even now, I, um, I don't think my dad gets the whole comic thing, right. at all. I think you put um, that in one of your little strips, actually. I think you put that in one of the d- daily strips. <laughs> this is, I mean, yeah, you put I'm it in a caption, my dad does not get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, um, to give him his due, he does he does um, make supportive noises and um, yes. respects the fact that this is what I'm doing now. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's been long enough that he knows I'm not going to change course. Exactly. But he still doesn't get it, right? No, and that's no. that's never gonna change i guess I yeah i mean his his measure of success is mainly financial right. and um i can have as many awards as i like but as long as i'm you know not <laughs> i don't know where the money's going to come from for the bills in two months time right uh, which is pretty much you know a constant state um i don't think he's ever quite going to um be fully on board <laughs> say. yeah that makes sense Okay, another thing you mentioned, um, when you were talking about these desires to to get all this status was about getting better opportunities. Yeah. Uh and so there's there's this now I remember you right saying something in an interview once, which was that you didn't want to do any more work for Marvel and DC because you didn't want to just keep ghostwriting for Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Do you remember this? <laughs> That's yeah i that's uh that does sound like me yeah certainly. i i I loved it because, um, I felt like it it was um it, it there's a lot of sort of pretentiousness in the, in that world that somehow the end result of the artistic career is to be writing Batman or something like that, <laughs> uh like that's the ultimate end goal, and that kind of always irked me because Batman should be in the public domain. <laughs> <laughs> like <he> shouldn't <laughs> they shouldn't they shouldn't have control over who gets to write Batman in that way. But um so when you said that, um, it's interesting that originally you've got this sense of like I want to get all the opportunities that I want, uh and bring in the job offers and not have to scramble for the the job that uh the next job. And I I presume you're in that position now, right? That you it, it ebbs and flows, yeah. yeah. It's not um I had a couple of sort of wobbly years uh, yeah. just recently, actually, but it picked up quite a bit last year. That's um, cool. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be at a point where I never have to look for work, I think. Mean, but um, yeah. I, I don't have to look for it all the time. now. Well, <laughs> I think that's the best I can hope for. Yeah, so, because I'm trying to get back to this thing of why, how this sort of, um, this desire, it wasn't that, it wasn't that like this desire to become a well-known cartoonist was something that you couldn't get to. It's something that it seems like you stopped caring about. Yeah. Right. That's fair. You start, you just, you realize that's not what's actually important. Um, Yeah. uh, So I'm kind of, I'm trying to get this trajectory of like what, what made it so that this need to be heard or this need for status, when did that start to sort of just, you know what? It doesn't matter and you could find peace in in the work that you're doing without constantly thinking about all that other stuff like what, when was that what what shifted what changed there well i don't know if it was a, a moment so much as a process mm. but the more of my own comics that i did which initially i did out of you know desperation just to uh mm. ha- have some work you know have something to work on while i was waiting for the phone to ring mm. uh but I would start writing my own stuff and illustrating it, and then putting it out there, and uh, that sort of accumulated uh, momentum over time, right. and it gradually dawned on me that th- this is this is what I want what I want the status for, you know. This is what the status, in theory, would enable. It would enable me to do my own stuff and have it read by a wide audience, um, or you know, get critical acclaim or good reviews or whatever it might be. And I was doing that anyway. Um, that's fantastic. So it, it, it seemed like the the, um, the goal of achieving um, a certain stature in, in my career right. in order to enable all this stuff was like uh, a point in the middle that I didn't actually have to go through that's in fanta- order to get there. I, lo- I love that. pointless. I love that so much. I love that. That's fantastic, of course, because, yeah, you get harp on this thing. And that's, that's brilliant because why do you want – all this fame, so I can do X, Y, Z. Well, why don't you just do X, Y, Z? Just do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do that and instead. Do you while you're doing it. That's, that's, yes, yeah, that's, you have to. It's, that's, it's, true. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, because if if you're um, I guess if your end goal is to write Batman, then you <laughs> you need, I guess, yeah, the state. Only one com- Yeah, Batman, right. So but have, if there's only one way there. But if the reason you want the state is not so that you can write Batman, but so you can do whatever it is that you want. And that yeah I mean, that it reminds me of that, that joke which is there's a there's a fisherman and you know, he goes out to sea and he comes back and he fishes and he sells his fish and then a, a big businessman comes up to him and he says, Hey, you're such a good fisherman. You should hire a bunch of people to fish with you so you can get lots of fish and he goes, Why would I do that? So you can sell all that fish and then get more people and build a big company. It's like, why would I do that? Because then you have loads of money and then you can retire and go out on your fishing boat. It's just, yes. like, I'm, I'm already doing it so but I yeah that's that's I think that's fantastic so you just started so what was the work that you were doing at the beginning because uh this was what you said the late eighties so that was before the big <laughs> speculator boom um for those that that might not know um there was a big growing uh expansion in the comic book industry around speculators who realized that if they could buy a number one comic, uh, down the road, it would be worth millions. And then when that didn't come to pass, the bubble burst and the industry collapsed. And it only, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it only really started coming back once the movies, the Marvel movies started coming up. Is that about right? I guess. I don't really follow that side of things too closely, no. but I remember thinking at the time with the speculator boom in the early 90s, mm. that if they were printing three million copies of a number one and everybody was buying you know, hundreds of them, mm. The scarcity that was supposed to make them valuable didn't exist. Um, <laughs> That's exactly it's just, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. A five seconds thought would have would have told you that. And not only that, but these people that were investing, they were thinking that they would be able to sell the comics within five years for twice the amount, based on a projection. Like they thought, well, if Action Comics number one is worth a million in fifty years. Then in 10 years, yeah. it was worth, you know, like a hundred thousand. And so, therefore, <laughs> if I buy this comic in five years, it's worth a hundred thousand because it's a number one with a hollow, limited variant foil cover. And it's like, no, that's yeah. Superman. Those pre war, such a different animal. So <laughs> many comics were poked during the war for paper drives and stuff. Exactly. That's why they're that Yeah. And not only that, but Superman Action Comics 1 yeah. was yeah. not worth like a hundred thousand times more than it was within five years that that happened after the 70s and everything right yes um but yeah but so if you were starting in the late 80s now if i remember uh my comics history well there was a big boom of independent small uh comics publishers and comic series at that time right wasn't there things like bone and and stuff like that that was starting, yeah. Bone kind of was, of, was li- a little bit after I, I broke in, a little bit uh, after. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, certainly, um, in the 80s, a lot of independent publishers, a lot of black and white publishers, mm. um, popped up. There was Eclipse and Fantagraphics, and um, I think, um, Cerebus started in the, the late 70s, but it was sort of you know, mm. publishing other artists in the, in the 80s, sure. Um, so, yeah, my, my first um, professional work outside of New Zealand was for Graphics. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of, my, that was my way in, really. And I had a couple of Graphics credits when I first moved to the UK. So right. I was using those as calling cards, and I was taken a little bit more seriously because I had professionally published work. Oh, that's I nice. Think. Yeah, because so that, that, how- that, that indicates that you can hit deadlines and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, as yeah. As well, so like they they know if they hire you, you'll actually get the work done, and it'll come out, and Yeah. And so Absolutely. and so that's what that's where you started. And so you're you're doing a lot of creator-owned projects at that time, I I assume. Yeah, uh, although it tended to be with collaborators because I wasn't very confident about my writing ability. Really? So uh, I had uh a series called Zoot, um, and another yeah. one called Art Deco from Fanographics, which yeah. uh I did with my brother. He, yeah. he wrote the scripts and it illustrated. And uh a friend of mine in New Zealand, Cornelius Stone, wrote this character called Knuckles, the malevolent nun. I, ha- I find it hard to believe there's really a human being called Cornelia Stone, and he doesn't—he doesn't, is, he this, doesn't this live atop it. a volcano with his grappling gun. <laughs> 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 carry on. Yeah, no, we um, uh I did uh, quite a few of these uh, Knuckles comics mm. in New Zealand, and then Fandographics offered us a couple of issues of Knuckle- Knuckles as well. Yeah, so um. Uh, there were all these sort of creator-owned things that we were doing, but I, it wasn't me as a writer. It was, it was me in collaboration with other people. Yeah, and then um, at, at some point that must have changed. You started writing your own work because you've done the Muppets, you've done Snarked, you've done uh, the Four Comic. Um, I mean, you yeah, wrote, you wrote my first... fa- you wrote my favorite thing in the Muppets ever. I've told you this I'm sure, mm. numerous times, but the the whole thing where Gonzo is in the hospital and and Scooter comes up to him and says, Gonzo, I've got to ask, what are you? And he just goes, "Oh, I thought you realised I'm an artist." Just, <laughs> so, I love that so much because I still don't know what Animal Concert is meant to be. It's, I love that. So, at some point, you started uh, writing, and um, so what, what, what changed there? Yeah, that was um, uh, the first first thing I wrote uh, of any sort of substantial length. I guess was, I mean, i had done a few sort of short things, sure, but. Oh, but you, um, so you don't count the little short things. I did a thing for a Deadline magazine called "Diabolical Liberty" uh-huh. uh, about uh, the devil being tricked um, and being forced to live on Earth. That's right. Um, and you know, trying to um, win hell back. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the story. And uh, so, when you say and if, I wrote that, sorry, I was going to say you say of sizable length. How long was that? Well, it was. Um, with all the chapters put together, it was about thirty pages, I think. So oh, I it wasn't, you yeah, know, it, was, it was the length of a of full comic. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, when you put it all together, mm. uh, and that was uh, a really useful um, experience as far as uh, as far as writing goes, because I had an editor, Frank Wen, uh, who was very good at seeing what was wrong with the story mm. and pointing these things out to me, and then he didn't tell me how to fix it. He said, "This is what's wrong. Now think of a way to fix it." Oh. And that made me sort of do the do the spade work about how to how to go about you know putting pushing it into shape. Okay. And that was really really useful, really a really good learning experience for me. Right, um, and I'm guessing if you're solving your own problems and doing this creator own work and you're solving problems and so on, after a while you you stop you you just stopped caring about this 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 idea of I need people to recognise me because you know, you've got your work in front of yeah. you and you're happy and proud of the work. And you know, I I solved this problem and I made this work. And and so the act of doing just, I guess, got rid of all that, I don't know, social anxiety, I guess. Uh, that that sort of Yes. Need. And uh, there's a sort of an accretion of small successes that eventually lead to a greater, greater confidence mm. as well. And that's, that was a big part of it too because I, mean, I, I didn't have that kind of cringe of I, I don't know how to write, I need other people to support me. And so then, um, what after, I don't know if <laughs> so then what happened when you started winning awards? How did that change it? Because now if these awards don't, you know, if, if that need isn't there and you start winning the awards, does that, you know, how did that affect the, you know, the piece at the table, as it were, the, the writing and the working? drawing? Um, well, I guess it vindicated my career choice to my family, which was nice. Yes. Um, uh, uh and I yeah, I think um i i sort of had a brush with uh award nominations when I started doing Fred the Clown, which was a character mm. of my own that I did in the early two thousands. Yeah. Um and it was nominated for a few things and it never won any of them. Right. Uh but I'd been to a few awards ceremonies and I'd done that kind of biting my knuckles, waiting for my name to be called and it not happening. <laughs> so that I, I sort of got that out of my system by the time I started actually winning awards. Oh, by the time, that's... in the late um, 2000s, early, you know, the 2009 or when it, whenever it was, when I first started getting actual awards, um, I, I'd show up assuming that I wasn't going to win anything. And so I didn't have that kind of... Uh, sense of nervous possibility which was a huge blessing because it meant meant that i could um relax and just enjoy the ceremony really that's Uh uh, so i'm I'm curious if you're being nominated okay and you're not winning how is that affecting your work how's that affecting you when you go home to work when you're sitting there you've got a new project with say a writer or a company and you're not uh, I mean, we, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, you alluded to it about how you didn't know how all this stuff worked—the naivete of of youth, you know—and so like, <laughs> I don't want the status because it's like, okay, the realities of the business. Like we all know, there's people that just don't work well with them, but you have to do what they say or whatever. There's all kinds of little things. So if you're not winning, you're just getting nominated, but you're not winning. How does how does that affect the actual working? Well, I think. Um... The thing about nominations, people tend not to remember who won. You know, when they see the list of nominations for that year, mm. if you ask them a couple of days later after the ceremony who won the award, they, they probably won't remember. Really? They, they might remember who the nominees were, though. I think Ooh. the nomination is probably um, the more important bit as really? far as um, career advancement goes, if that's huh. something that's important to you. that's um, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. I suppose you this know, this is my instinct of how it works I, I, it's not like I've picked people's brains about no, it. no, but it's interesting that that's how how you thought about it right that the winning yeah. isn't the important bit um and so the fact that you got nominated is 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 yeah, I think you know that on your on your um c v uh, an award nomination is going to carry it's not quite as much weight then just just about as much weight so- as an actual win. I mean, so you're getting nominated, and you're like, "I don't." The winning isn't the important bit. I got nominated, so I got I got the the status that I needed. Anyway, I don't need the victory. Well, it's not like I thought that at the time. No, but you know what I mean. I was Through <laughs> the ceremony, I'm still sweating, and my heart's going <laughs> so During the, the ceremony, after the ceremony, you rationalize yeah. away why you lost by going, "Oh, it doesn't matter who yeah. wins. No one remembers the winner." <laughs> but but that no, but they, but it is. I mean, as facetious as that is, it is interesting that the way that it didn't affect your work. I mean, did it affect your work at all? I mean, did you find Um, working like after that harder or easier? I mean, I think I was a little bit more aware of being watched. Um, The fact that it had sort of uh, crossed the radar of the people who make the decisions about who gets nominated Mm. uh, meant that I was perhaps a little bit more self-conscious, which I don't think was necessarily a good thing. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it didn't hold me back too much. I mean, uh, the, with the Fred the Clown stuff, I was doing it for just um, just the internet, really, and self publishing, and right. it was quite a small scale thing, kind of low key, not very, not not on a lot of people's radar. Sure. Uh, and so, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was putting something out there and expecting the world to to praise it right. so much. Um, if I, if it had been a high-profile project or something for a big publisher, maybe that would have created more pressure and it would have um, been more of a problem. But the fact that it was quite low-key, I think, probably kept it in perspective for me. So, so by the time you were doing Fred the Clown, you'd already sort of moved past this need to have that level of recognition, because suddenly when you feel people are looking at you, you're now getting anxious at the fact that people are paying attention whereas before you're like no one's paying attention and yet you started this going i've got to be the best yes i've got i've got to be yeah. the next bill watterson i've got to be the next uh uh the guy may goff got his name uh you know i've got to be the next yeah i've got to be the next one of that i've got to be the, this i've got to be this person um the next kurtzman or whatever so that must have already gone from you by the time you were doing Fred the clown Uh, I don't know if it's gone completely. I I definitely liked Mm. having it recognized and having people talk about it. That's, you know, it's still nice. Of course uh, it is. The work you're doing, talked about and recognized. Of course. Um, But the fact that I was, um, if not doing everything that I wanted to do, I was doing most of it. Mm. I was publishing my own stuff it was getting recognized, I was doing what I wanted to do, it was sustainable um, financially, at least at first. Mm. Um, uh, after a few issues, not so much, but, you know, the first one paid for itself. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, 99% of what I wanted to do, I was already doing at that point. That's fantastic. Yeah, because you've never struck me as um, as a particularly, like, um, it has the wrong connotation when they say someone who isn't ambitious. It's got the wrong connotation. It sounds like, you know, there's no desires or anything. But that's not what I mean. There's this, you've always you've just been so humble every time I've met you. And every time I've talked to you, you're just such a humble person. And so the idea that you started off with that kind of dream, and it makes sense to me that once you were pretty much, as you say, getting 95% of what you wanted out of your career, you stopped wanting more that just makes sense to me based on what I know of you. you there's that, there isn't that, That I don't know, greed. I don't know what how to phrase it. Like, this is where language is failing me. But it, 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 there's a sense of that that makes sense to me. It's um, partly just getting older as well, I think. <laughs> um, and realising that these things tend to work out if you just fuck away at them for long enough. Sure. Um Mm. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, when you're young, you don't know how all this stuff works and you think that you have to make things happen. Right. And as life goes on and um, opportunities come and go, and your priorities change, particularly after I had kids, my priorities change quite a bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's actually, that's really. And you just read things can't work out in the end. Um, it's true, though. I mean, one of the, the difficult things. Uh, I've got a a nephew who's 21 now um, and one of the difficult things I remember not getting when I was his age and one of the things that's hard to get through is the sense of how little you really know about life and where Mm -hmm. it goes and just you don't understand what family feels like you know you you don't you don't really get it i mean it's it's one thing to have a little sister who's like 10 years younger than you like oh yeah i'm used to i get kids it's like no you don't you don't get it you don't get kids until when you're when you're like in your 40s or whatever late 30s whatever when you're a proper adult and the kid shows up and you realize oh i'm my parents generation like i'm i'm in that Mm -hmm. position Mm -hmm. now until that happens you don't you don't get how that shifts your priorities and what matters. Yeah. It's like everybody would one step along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. It takes I, up the place that you used to take up. And yeah. You have to move along to when the you life, realize you're up. not, you're not the youngest person at the family reunion. Like there's a whole generation of kids yeah. after you. That's one thing. And then when you realize, no, hold on, I'm, I'm the generation that's supposed to produce those kids. That's a completely different feeling. Yeah. And yeah it's, um, it's, de- there's definitely something about that. I remember, um, uh Alan Moore saying that people kids used to go to sea for the adventure. That was where they used to go. And what's changed is instead of it's the sea, now it's fame. And that people pursue fame the way they used to go to sea, right? For the adventure, for this, for that, for that. And it's I think I think you're right. Like you do. Right? He's good at that. <laughs> he is good at that, isn't he? That is a good <laughs> yeah. objectionist. He's very good at that. But um there's there's definitely you're right, there's it's sort of a young man's concern right and mm. uh, it's not something that um that persists um, yeah I, I think that makes some sense because um, yeah I think a lot of people they 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 sort of they judge who they are and what they're working on and everything based on how famous it is and that status and all that element of it and they they don't sort of appreciate I think we what, what you're talking about there which was you were just doing it, and you were getting enough money that you were able to live and produce, and you kept producing. You were getting the you say you were getting the opportunities that you wanted, even though that's what was one of your big concerns because you weren't getting the opportunities to, to get yeah. the work right. And You're still getting those things, and so then you realize, well, that isn't what matters. You say you've got kids as well. It's like that's it's not about me. It's it's about what I'm doing. And yeah, what that what that produces into my life. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I think one of the great traps of pursuing um, success or fame mm. is not not to keep in mind what you actually want those things for. Mm. Uh, That's very good. It seems to me that, you know, even, even earning a lot of money, the point of that isn't to earn the money. Right. The point of that is to have a good quality of life. Right. So if you can have a good quality of life and skip the bit about earning loads of money yes um you're winning you know yeah <laughs> uh yeah it's oh well, i i remember um having this discussion about a character that was being written uh they wanted power and they were doing this whole elaborate thing to get like power like that in a fantasy story mm-hmm. and i was like, and then what and what do you mean i said like, well what do they actually want power Power doesn't mean anything. You've got to use it for something, right? Oh, so what? Yeah, yeah, what? Okay, they get it. Then what? What happens if they get it? Um, yeah. And if you don't have an answer to that, then there's no real threat to the story. Like, get let them have it. What does it matter, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's, it, it's <laughs> that thing. Like you, you want this. Thing. It's it's a it's an interesting thing because people, you know, I want this. It's like that's, but that's you're hoping what, that will get you what you really want. It's not that isn't what you want. Something that you, yeah, 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 yeah. I that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I like, and that. I think there's a, especially with fame. I think a lot of people yes. want fame for fame, right? Um, yeah. without thinking about what it will actually get them. Yeah. Um, the opportunities, or indeed the disadvantages, because there's quite a few of those as well. There is, yeah. There's a lot. Um, I mean, you've got people like, uh, yeah, you've got famous people like Chris Evans talking about the anxiety that comes with fame and all that. Like, it's yeah. not. It's not necessarily a good thing, um, in that sense. But I guess there's a difference between fame and status within an industry, right? Yeah, certainly for a cartoonist where people don't know your face. Um, we never do. I, I go to conventions <laughs> like you're this person? How do I not <laughs> why isn't your face in the comics so I know it's you to recognise you when I see you? Um but yeah. Um yeah, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um I like that a lot. So, yeah, that's... You want you want all that. If you have all that, what would you do with it? In fact, that's that's one of the uh, big things you do, I think, in storytelling, which is if you really want to understand what your character wants, just give it to them. Say, give them what they say they want and see if it stops the story. If it stops the story, then yeah, that is what they wanted. But if, it, if the story keeps going, <laughs> it's not what they wanted. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what they, <laughs> yes. that's what they did with uh, Breaking Bad, right? They did that with Walt White. They went, we can't just have him Getting money, losing money. So how about we just give him all the money he wants? And so they had those uh, billionaires show up and say, "We'll pay for, all we'll pay for everything." And then why does he say no? <laughs> it's like pride. Yeah. He's got to yeah, be Heisenberg, that's, that's cool. right? Yeah. yeah. So Heisenberg is the evil Roger language. That's what we we've worked <laughs> on. <out. laughs> but I, lo- I, I love that. I think that's really fantastic. Um, and so I I presume now as you're working because you just did. From you, you just did *Bill and Taylor Doomed*, right? Yeah, that was you, last year with, with Evan Dorkin. And you're doing... and you did a Doctor Who thing, right? Uh, not recently. I've been working on the the comic strip in Doctor Who magazine, off and on. Uh, I thought I saw you tweeting about, about that. Twenty years, twenty-five, maybe. Oh, so, so uh, I, I thought you were. I thought you were tweeting about like a Doctor Who comic that you were doing now. Maybe I misread something. No, no, not. Uh, I've been doing the lettering for, for a long time, oh, but I occasionally draw one as well. And I wrote one a few years ago. Oh, maybe, um, maybe that was it then. So I've, I've done some Doctor work, but not recently. Time is colliding because of this thing. <laughs> I, not, and I know you're working as well because of your patron. You're working on something, uh, I, I might pronounce this wrong, it's Haniwa? Tani-far. Tani-fa, I always forget which one. I knew it was one it's, of the. It's spelled oh. Tani-wa, yes. It's spelled tani and I always think it's that T that's pronounced differently. It's So it's tani yeah. No, Tani-far. Tani-far. Tani-fa. 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 So, and you're working on that, right, at the moment? Yes, that's for Meanwhile, published by Soaring Penguin. Um, and, it's an anthology, and they've got an issue of that coming out fairly soon, I think. And so just... So, so this we'll, chapter. We'll, we'll, we'll end here, I guess, but what's the... How, when you're working on these things, is this is is there still that anxiety or of people like you're being watched or that people aren't watching you do you still have that is that still there or is that pretty much gone um it's less there than it was it's it depends on the project I think Things that have got a high profile I tend to be a little bit more um self-conscious about really um but ultimately I I I now um, I think I feel now that if they've h- hired me to do the job in the first place, mm. it's because they wanted what I bring to the table. They don't want something that, yeah. um, I imagine they want that I can't do, which right. I think was the anxiety when I started. You know? Right. Oh, I, so there's a there's a sense of like I know who I am and everyone else now knows who I am. So they don't. Like like that. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think um, my uh, my style and you know, horrible word, but my brand. Um, yeah. You have a wonderful brand. You made all those so. Popeye comics, you made those Muppet comics. I've got a whole stack of your stuff here. That's just like <laughs> if it says language on it, I pick it up. So like, it's, it's, it's true though. You're wonderful. So your brand is is great. I, I love your brand. So um I've I I told this I've said this to you, but uh the reason I one of the reasons I love your brand is like I can just I can relax with your work because I just know I'm talking to you about this, this sense of like, you know who you are, and you know what you can do. And so when you take a job, you just presume that people know what they want from you. And so there isn't this, this difficulty of trying to work out who you are and what your work is. And so when I sit and I read it, that's, that's there, I can just sort of relax into your work and not worry that suddenly he's going to try something new at the end and mess everything up, or he's going to try and make a statement in, in a way that's just like, no, that's not, that doesn't need to be made now. You were telling this wonderful story. You know, there's, there's times where writers sort of get in the way of their own work, um, but you don't do that. Um, oh, I, that's, yeah, that... I mean, it's partly. Just recognizing that there's a time and a place for these sorts of things. You, you, yeah, I've got enough outlets now. But if I want to say something political, I can do that in my daily strip. Exactly, um, I don't exactly. have to shoehorn it into whatever I'm writing. Yeah, about, it, stuff, it, it wouldn't be appropriate for the Muppets to suddenly, no, <laughs> you yeah. know, just start ranting <laughs> yeah. about Brexit or something. That would, you know. Um, but yeah, so I, I so there's that so that level so there is that confidence now when you're working that just uh, I know what I'm doing. I know what they want from me. And I have enough as you say, enough outlets that I can just I can if I have an idea I don't have to fit it into this thing. I can wait. I can pick my battles and pick where I want to put this thing in yeah. that thing. So there's so there's a sense of um I don't know, fecundity, I guess? There's just like <laughs> Does that make sense? Like I suppose just, so. Yeah. I um, mean, it's it's partly a way of having a sustainable career as well is to have um, lots of different things going on at the same time so that not all your eggs are in one basket. Yeah. So if the, the arse falls out of um, <laughs> one of them, you're not high and dry, you know. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I've got the, the Patreon, I've got the odd lettering job that I do. I've yeah. got some scripts for this publisher and I'm doing some art for that publisher. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, keep, keep as many balls in the air as I can so that uh, if I drop one, I've still got a few in the air. Well, juggling is a brilliant picture to have in my mind when i'm thinking about you <laughs> that's that that's very you <laughs> the juggler well excellent thank you so much uh it's been a pleasure talking okay. to you again i've really enjoyed this yeah well thank you <laughs> and uh thank you all right take care of yourself and you let's thank you for listening you can find me on twitter at Basim story And other ways to find and support this podcast can be found in this episode's description. Jazakallah.